Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Before the show begins, I want to ask you a very important question. Do you want to save someone's life? I know that's a very dramatic way to start things off, but trust me. You can help one of the 14,000 patients who need a bone marrow transplant and can't get it from a family member. 70% of those people in need will never get a bone marrow transplant, but you can be the one to change that. Register today to become a lifesaver because the chances of saving someone is one of the most exciting and selfless things a person could do. Trust me, I know. I did it in 2011, I want to say, and I became a donor and it changed my life because someone was able to be saved because of me. So text AMAZING to 5055 or go to dkms.org slash 100 words for a free swab kit. Message and data rates may apply, obviously. But listen, if I can save a life, so can you. This is a serious thing. Go and do it. It'll take 10 seconds of your time and you can save someone's life. All right, now here's the show. Hey team, that's a new intro, right? I'm Ray Harkins, and you're listening to a podcast called 100 Words or Less, in which we talk to people in and around the independent music scene, whether that be punk, hardcore, indie rock, emo, you name it, I probably have spoken to them. Because, you know, realistically, the show's been around for four plus years, and uh, if I haven't spoken to someone you are even remotely interested in, um, you're not listening to very much music. (laughs) So anyways, I, uh, I thank you for joining us. And if you're listening for the first time, 
welcome. If you're listening to this for the 100 millionth time, well, not 100 millionth, but maybe, you know, 218th time, for those of you that have listened to since episode one, you can see the evolution of the show. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, we should be hanging out and having dinner and talking about that. But uh, anyways, the guest this week is Luke Pate. He is the vocalist for a band called Frameworks, who are a very, very good band from Gainesville, Florida. And... Um, yeah, I'll be I'll be frank. I got uh, pitched this conversation from a very close friend, and I was like, you know what? Like, I, I don't know too much about Frameworks. I've obviously heard the name and I've listened to their music, but I didn't know too much about this. But I was uh, excited because basically we had a really in depth conversation on a scene that I hold very in very high esteem for me, uh, the Gainesville, Florida scene. Because uh, I just I've I've only spent maybe let's see maybe a week worth of time there. Uh, but it, it, it just, I don't know, it perplexes me. The scene's incredible because obviously it's birthed so many incredible things to the world from, uh, you know, obviously Hot Water Music, No Idea Records, and then obviously there was the uh, the whole sort of, you know, even though these bands specifically didn't come from Gainesville, but like, you know, Reversal of Man, Asuk, like there's so many wide a wide range of bands against me is another one i mean i could just go on but anyways we had a, a very long conversation about that and uh yeah i was excited about that and luke was uh, ready to dig into that but um yeah i got to talk to you about two more things before we dive into the conversation with luke one of them is a uh, this may sound strange to some of you but i promise uh, you should look into it because it was a very enlightening uh, mind expanding, whatever you want to call an experience that kind of puts you out of your body. So a float tank, have you guys ever heard of that? No? Well, okay, here, let me educate you. Basically, what you do is you get into a uh, sensory deprivation tank, which basically means it's completely black. They have some water in there that is uh, will buoy you and make you float because there's a lot of salt and Epsom salts. And so basically, you just kind of float around um, in this thing, this tank, this sensory deprivation chamber um you put earplugs in and you sit there for an hour and it was uh you know at, at times it was challenging because basically you have to quiet your mind you have to not be you know thinking about a million things because you'll honestly just go crazy and the time will go by extremely extremely slow so it took me about uh, 20 minutes to kind of calm down and when I say calm down, I wasn't like freaking out in there by like claustrophobia or anything, but just, you know, calming all of these racing thoughts that we have on a daily basis and to basically pay attention to my breath, pay attention to how my body felt. And uh, by the time that I was done with it, it was like, I, I felt like I was floating. I felt like I had like, you know, maybe an inch or two underneath my feet the rest of the day. And honestly, that feeling kind of ellipsed over into the next day as well and so if you're interested in any of that please email me 100 words podcast at gmail.com we can talk about it a little bit more and uh yeah it was just a, an incredible experience and i urge you if you even have a remote fascination with it uh you know google it you'll be able to find some uh, places probably near you that do it because this is quite a popular emerging business for a lot of people so it was a good experience and uh yeah i'm moving so i'm going to be uh you know the show is going on as scheduled don't worry, you will be getting your your free content every week. But uh, yeah, I'll be moving and I'll be traveling next week. Next week, I'm in uh, Portland. And um, yeah, it's going to be busy times. But uh, you know, moving on up, moving on to a little bit bigger house, going to do some beautiful remodeling and uh, you know, all the uh, suburban home stuff that descendants sing about. Uh, that's uh, the life that I'm living. And I'm excited about that. So 
Anyways, so like I said, Luke and I really, really dig into Gainesville and Florida and basically uh, how the band approaches uh, the sort of notoriety that they've gotten so far. And, and to be clear, they're not a big band. You know, they are a smaller to mid-level size band that can, you know, play to 100 plus people a night in most major markets. And, you know, they're on the grind. They're hustling. Um but they never anticipated anybody paying attention to anything of what they were doing, let alone put some releases out on cool labels like Top Shelf and the most recent release on Deathwish. So, yeah, here is my talk with Luke, and I will talk to you after the episode is over. But I usually start these things off with just my own personal kind of entry point to, you know, you, your band, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I became clued into you guys via uh, JP from Rescuer, who uh, I, because I did some work for No Sleep Records for a while, and obviously we put out that uh, last LP of theirs. Um, And does he still play with you, or was that just kind of a a sort of side thing that he was doing? He he just toured with us. Um, He never played. He doesn't really play very much i guess res- rescuer was the main thing he did okay. um yeah but he just came on tour with us a few times got it got it okay that's because yeah he was like yo these guys are sick you should check them out and i was like yeah you guys i was like i liked what you were doing um the label it didn't make sense for you guys just because we had a lot of stuff that <laughs> existed within that same uh, ecosystem yeah. um but it was uh, it was one of those things i was uh i'm always always interested in bands from florida because i find it so um the community is so insular because obviously you guys are you know kind of detached in the same way that like you know at one point obviously like seattle was where it was like well bands don't tour through there unless they're like really trying to like do yeah. a full us or whatever um, i was actually just listening to your podcast of the, uh lennon about the the same thing sort of oh yeah dude for sure it's like anytime especially if you are closer to you know where like obviously where you are in south florida um i just find it so interesting so it's like do is that representative of your experience or is it one of those things where you kind of just don't even think about it anymore well we're from gainesville so um georgia and atlanta are like two to five hours away um but south florida that's like a whole nother beast actually our drummer is from south florida which uh sort of around where lennon is so it's like seven I think he's like six hours from us, which is like almost 10 hours from Atlanta or any other conventional place that you would probably go. <laughs> right. Another planet. <laughs> yeah. And so is it, so, I mean, like you said, obviously because you're, you know, a little more uh, northernly located, uh, you feel more connected, but uh, at the same time, Gainesville is such a, uh, a large music scene because obviously the uh, lineage of no idea records and hot water music and all that stuff. Um, and obviously since the fest has, you know, brought even more of a spotlight to that scene. Um, when you first started to go to shows in that general area, did, did you feel that there was uh, something kind of special or did it feel just kind of like, wow, this is really cool that I tripped on this? Well, uh, I mean, most of us in frameworks, we grew up in Gainesville. Um, actually, yeah, three of us did. So we kind of grew up into it, and uh, I'd say that we'd always appreciated what Gainesville was, but we didn't really appreciate it until we left Gainesville um, and started touring. You you start to realize the small um, nuances that maybe, I guess a good example is, uh, like on our first tour, we realized that it's not the same mindset for other people um, in smaller cities about the size of Gainesville, that they should probably give most of the door of the um 
not greatly attended show to the touring band instead of splitting it evenly or fairly. Um, that's like a like a small example that that's just something we grew up um, with. And I, I don't know. I think that's sort of weird. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just getting tangled here. No, it's fine. <laughs> well, that's that's the beauty of a podcast, you know. It's it, it's a bunch of rambles, uh, hopefully uh, tied in together to where it makes some sense. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah, I think my uh, my first experience with Gainesville was uh, I uh, I never played there with the, the band that I played in, but uh, we always just kind of went around it. Like, I don't know why we never played it, but I went to the fest in 2003 or something like that. And uh, the band that I was tour managing was on tour with Hot Water Music, so it was one of those things where we got to see obviously just how big of a thing that Hot Water Music was there, where it's like you know they're obviously yeah. punk rock royalty. But then I was so struck by the uh obviously the the college town in general mixed with this obviously like sort of you know new age hippie protester vibe it was just like you know you had the florida gators and then you had everybody else that was you know i guess kind of against that idea um when did you kind of recognize that uh that sort of dichotomy with the city um when i started going to fest actually because fest is scheduled on uh the rival uh, uf football team so it's scheduled the weekend that everybody who goes to UF and cares about sports leaves town. And uh, when I started realizing that nobody was there for Fest, I was like, oh, well, that's where everybody is. So it's kind of just split in the middle between downtown and midtown, almost like an outsider's kind of thing, where you have like the people that would appreciate Fest downtown, and then you have people uh, who have no clue what Fest is because they're not even in town when it happens in midtown, and they just don't intermingle really. It's it's very strange, right? No, that's true. I never. So, is it is it intentionally done that every year? Uh, I've never talked to Tony about it, but I believe so. It makes sense because I mean, just bringing in that many um, different people, right? Uh, different perspectives into yeah. I mean, I can just genuinely say that most of those people that uh, go to Midtown, where they're just some of the worst people. I work at a bar downtown and sometimes they'll like migrate over and they're like the people you have like the worst problems with. Right. So I think putting those two personalities together on like a weekend of fest would be bad. Right. Right. No, that's it. I mean, it makes sense. Like you saying, I just, it never would have immediately occurred to me because, uh, you know, you usually, uh, us people involved in independent music, uh, you know, we plan well, but then at the same time, we're not, uh, thinking of those things in those terms. And so I just, I, I I'm glad that Tony's thinking of it. <laughs> it I mean, it might've happened maybe uh, seven or eight years in when he's like, Oh wait, we could just do it now. Um, right. make that happen. But I feel like it was always around, uh, Halloween. Right. I mean, I don't know everything about fests or really even that much. Right. No, no, no. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Maybe it was a, an accident initially and all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, this works. So let's yeah. keep doing it. Um, so you mentioned you were you were raised in Gainesville. Um, were you actually born there or did you migrate there? Um, I grew up in Newberry. It's about uh, maybe 35, 45 minutes away from Gainesville. But it's such a small town. It's like a small town into a small town into Gainesville that I just called it Gainesville uh, with all the frameworks we've always just called it Gainesville because I mean it's not like anybody's going to play a show or announce that they're from uh, like a city a couple thousand you know Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, or, or you obviously have the bands that, you know, you, you maybe have an idea to do that initially where you're like, oh, yeah, we're from this, you know, suburb of a large city. And then most people, actually 99% of the people will probably ask you where it's like, wait, what do you mean? And you're like, well, it's like 45 minutes outside Gainesville. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
I couldn't imagine which would be more annoying. Uh, either people asking where that is every time or saying, oh, so you guys are from where Hot Mother Hughes is from. Right. Both of those, uh, I cleared this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry that. It's okay. Uh, you got a pup? Um, two cats. My girlfriend has a cat. And then she found this kitten um, like a week ago. Nice. It just ran out to her, and it's like two weeks old, so it's not shouldn't be here but she couldn't leave it so of course of course you're doing the right thing <laughs> so it's just getting comfortable and running around and being wild just attacking my feet at random times <laughs> that's awesome um so what was your family structure like like mom and dad brothers and sisters and what, what were they doing as you were growing up for a job i uh, i grew up with my dad and my grandmother my dad and my mom had me pretty young um like 16 and 18 oh, okay they sort of split up and she went and did her own thing and then my dad grew up just doing sort of odd in jobs until he kind of got into the medical field and then he recently had a, a lot of health problems so now he's uh disabled and my grandmother's disabled too and they kind of live together and take care of each other and i just live in gainesville oh but, wow uh, yeah it was it was a good structure i don't have really any issues um only child uh no i have a sister oh okay um and so you, did you ever have contact with your mom subsequently or was it one of those things where she just uh, basically went off and obviously did her own thing and you weren't interested in that uh not for a long time and then she came back in and we we talked but it's i don't know nothing to really talk about you know yeah yeah it's just not bitter or anything it's just a right she wasn't uh, she wasn't a part of your life so there's no reason to overly invest in that relationship exactly yeah yeah so. Yeah, it's weird because like my my parents were divorced when I was young, and then um, you know maintained contact with my father. But then there was like a three or four year period where I made a real conscious decision to basically be like, you know what, dude, you're still treating me like I'm 12 years old. And at that time, I was you know 19 or 20, and basically I just didn't speak to him for you know two or three years. And then uh, you know I can't, I basically got back in touch with him once I was uh, planning on getting married. Um, but it was um, it, it was real interesting to kind of readjust to a person. You know, that you're like, you like brought me into this world and like, it's, it's weird to have to like try to manufacture a relationship. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't really want to do that. I'm, I'm not ready to make that kind of effort maybe in my later life. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and so would you, would you kind of typify your experience uh, growing up as kind of uh, you know, idyllic sort of suburb type living, uh, or is it one of those things that you guys were, uh, you know, kind of playing outside, uh, getting, getting uh, in trouble in the swamps and stuff like that? <laughs> Uh, no swamps around, but um, yeah, sure. it was very rural. Um, and yeah, that was about it. Played in the woods a lot. There was a lot of woods around, a lot of animals, a lot of places to get hurt, but um, I didn't, unfortunately. Sure. Were you uh, Were you cautious? Overly cautious. It's part of my issue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you would you call that an issue, or would you call that uh, I guess self preservation in a way? I guess I guess I could call it that. Yeah. Right. I guess the positive way of putting it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I definitely notice where uh, you know, so so many, and I'm sure you have a lot of friends like this as well. Where it's like, you know, like, oh, I broke my arm, I did this and did that. Like, you know, when you were younger, and uh, I, I very much like you. I, I never, um, you know, I, I think I like got a really bad bloody nose once when I was playing flag <laughs> football. But like, other than that, I wasn't, you know, jumping off trees and doing stupid stuff because I was like, that'll hurt. Like, I can't do that. Yeah, I have the same experience until. Um sort of got out of Newberry started skateboarding and martial arts and that stuff never really broke a bone until then oh okay so you uh, the, did, would you tip would you say that you were a uh, pretty active kid it sounds like yeah um, probably around 15 is when I got really active which is when I met Corey actually he probably changed me for the worse Corey's the guitar player okay um, 
he and I are the only original members that uh, we kind of met, and that's where music started. And you, uh, you mentioned like karate and skateboarding and stuff like that. Was that all happening around that same time too? Um, skateboarding around fifteen, yeah. I think that's what really developed me as a person. I think prior to skateboarding, I don't really think I had much of a personality. I'm just a really shy kid. And, uh, can't really give you um, any interests that I was into before 15. I mean, I played video games and normal stuff like that, but I didn't play a lot of video games. Like, I guess like that would be my thing I would say I did prior to skateboarding. But if you ask me about a, a game like uh, 007 or something, I never played it. So I don't really know what I was doing up until 15. I was just there existing. Well, that's interesting because I do think that is a, uh, that's kind of a common experience for a, a lot of people that, um, you know, you, you just kind of flow through and you don't really, uh, when you're not forced to like look at yourself, <laughs> you just kind of sit there, you know, you're just like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But then like once you, if you're lucky enough to grab onto that one thing, then that kind of defines, who, you know, who you are at that point. <laughs> like the, like that quote, facetious say that uh, your second life starts whenever your first life ends. Right. Really hope mine didn't end at 15. Right. No, that's interesting. I like that. Um, and so the, what what was it about skateboarding that really um, just kind of captured you? Um, well, I lived not too far from the downtown portion of Newberry, um, but it, it was not um, advantageous to walk. It just it was always hot in Florida. It's just one, one temperature all, all one uh, season, excuse me. And uh, skateboarding, it made me able to go see friends. It was like a more of a motive of transportation rather than like a, a hobby. And then it sort of developed into a hobby and I kind of just built it from there. That's like what developed my, um, I think my friend group as well. Cause I mean, I went to a high school of like maybe a hundred, 150, um, classmates or maybe a same year, maybe it was 400 for the high school. But I think that's what connected me with other people before music. And then that kind of evolved into music same friends that were skateboarding got into music and then kind of fell into it yeah that's a really small high school was that was it just because of the 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 location or was it like a private religious based just location i mean um four years probably each grade had about 100 150 kids so you knew everybody's name right (laughs) yeah because i I mean i went to a school rough maybe a little bit bigger but the main reason was because it was a a, like a lutheran high school so it was private obviously so therefore you're going to get smaller class sizes Um, yeah but yeah i find that it is very interesting when you go to that small of a school and you basically know what everybody's thing is you know like everybody you know it's not like you, you can kind of look at the lunchroom and see whatever where everyone's sitting and you know, kind of classify them like that you're just like oh no that person not only are they like a you know whatever a indoor kid but like they they're super into dungeons and dragons and like you know like more details than you would ever know at a large high school yeah exactly like stereotypes are, are very relevant right <laughs> did you find uh did you find because there was a smaller school that you um kind of had a uh, larger group of friends to kind of f- you know, filter in and out of, or was it you kind of stuck to your your main people? Uh, main people, I don't. Which was uh, some of the guys I started the band with, and most of the friends that I still have now. Just kind of interesting. Some of them moved away, but a good portion of them are still here. Uh, no new friends. Right. <laughs> That's interesting that you that you've held on to many of your high school friends. Yeah, I met Corey when I was um, it was either sixteen or seventeen. He was wearing a Dragon Force shirt. 
and uh, I thought that was interesting. I've never listened to Dragon Force, but I just thought the design on the T-shirt was interesting, mm-hmm. and then we kind of uh, stayed friends since. That's that's awesome. And so was uh, was was Frameworks basically started in high school, or did you was that later on? I was a little later on. Um, Corey started a band with other musicians. I wasn't a musician at all. I actually applied for guitar um, as my main elective every single year I was in high school, and they wouldn't give it to me. I don't know for what reason, but they always put me in, uh, in like a gym class or or some kind of like electronic learning, like Photoshop and Illustrator. But every year, it was my number one pick for an elective because all of my friends were in it, and I never got it. And then uh, Corey started bands with people who actually were musicians, and then I just hung out every day when they were practicing to the point where he was like, hey, man, you want to try a keyboard or something? I don't know. What can we give you? And he let me join their band with no working knowledge of music at all at like 15 or 16. And that's kind of how it developed. And then he kept playing bands. I think I stopped like at 18. Because I mean, how far can you really go with keyboard? Right. <laughs> sure. Especially if, you, like you said, you didn't have any proclivity to play that beforehand. Yeah, I was only playing because friends were playing. And then uh, his band prior to Frameworks, the one immediately prior, um, the vocalist quit like a week before they were about to go record. And it was like a, a shitty metal band that I'll never say the name of in public, so they can't be referenced. But um, okay, <laughs> like a week before they were about to go record. And uh, I don't know why, but Corey was like, hey man, you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, I guess I'll do it. And it didn't fit my personality at all because I... Um, not a, a front man by any means. I'm not very articulate, and I don't, I don't have a lot of ideas that I wanted to express in the songs at 17. But for some reason, I said yes, and then I like freaked out the next week because we um, it was already paid for, and we did it, and it was humiliating. Um, and then we kind of just stayed together, and we started frameworks uh, like maybe a year or two after. Okay. So we really just fell into it, and we never stopped doing it. Right. Well, yeah, you, you definitely. Uh, no, I, I granted, I've never seen you guys perform live, but um, in just kind of speaking to you now and kind of you know seeing what what the projections that you put outward, it you definitely strike me as the uh, quote unquote reluctant reluctant frontman. Where it's it's not like you were uh, a person who was like, okay, I seriously can't wait to get in front of a bunch of people and like yeah. be, be the center of attention. Um, yeah. So w- walk me through that process. Like obviously, once you started to do it, obviously through practice, I'm sure you became more comfortable but uh was it one of those things that you were just like i don't know if i'm ever going to get over this yeah i don't i haven't okay you're still in that same mind space uh yeah sort of i mean i i like that though um i guess an unarticulate way to say it is it keeps me on my toes i really appreciate it um because i've been able to do it for so long but it it doesn't ever wash over i get up there and i'm like oh, all these people are here to watch our band this is an interesting thing how did i get here Still to this day, I wouldn't say I'm as shy getting up there, um, but it still just passes my mind every time. Like, how did I get here? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you, but for two, look back, be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool 
at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What am I doing up here? Right. Um, so did, did you have a plan kind of, uh, you know, matriculating through high school that you wanted to do um, something from a, a career oriented standpoint or were, was your, uh, you know, father encouraging you to do anything or was it just kind of like, well, I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. He wanted me to go into nursing um, and some kind of, or he wanted me to be a nurse or some kind of medical degree right after college, um, right before we started three marks. And we got into an argument about it because I wanted to go into graphic design but that was out of his knowledge. He didn't really understand what graphic design was. He didn't really use a computer. So he didn't really know anything about it. So he was like, no, that's a really terrible idea. There's a feature in that. Don't do that. And he, um, he really pushed me to go into, into uh, some kind of nursing degree. And I said no. So I just didn't go to college. Just dropped out um, like the first semester. Um, and then Corey dropped out as well. And we we're like, why don't we just start another band and do that? And we set a few goals to tour and do all that stuff. And we kind of just really just never stopped doing it it's so strange to say but we um we we didn't have very high expectations we didn't really want to uh be rock stars or anything weird like that um we just really like, let's play music let's go see the country and then it just hasn't stopped 
Yeah, I, I like that because it was a, this was actually something I was going to mention a little bit later um, that I've noticed in a couple uh, other interviews that you did, and I just I love this idea because I, I personally identify with it. I approached all of the projects that I ever did from a musical standpoint of never obviously trying to make a living out of this thing, but basically just a collection of experiences. Um, like you know, you you've mentioned in previous interviews that you basically use tour to obviously see stuff, <laughs> to experience different cities and all that sort of uh, th- that process. Um, the, but then never having the notion that this is like, okay, this is, this is my future plan. You know, I can't wait to do this to where I'm going to be able to, um, you know, quit everything and, and, you know, tour, uh, from a real, real full-time perspective. Um, so it, it sounds like that was basically just the, the core of your being that you were just going to tour to kind of collect these experiences. Yeah. I mean, we were very naive about it. We, we weren't opposed to the idea Like we got off offered to play warp tour once and we did it and we had a terrible experience but i mean we still did it we were pretty naive about everything in our very early years um but we knew that the only thing we really wanted to do was play music and and uh, see some stuff mostly the country and what have you because we were from very small towns and that was the main goal and what happened outside of that was uh, just extra all right i am so Damn excited about this sponsor. I can't even, I'm just bursting with enthusiasm for this. And I, I promise, I, I'm not just being a shill. They, they, they sent me some free product, but holy, okay, hold on. Let me back this up. So, Soylent, you may or may not have heard of this product, but basically, what it is, is a meal replacement. I wouldn't even call it a shake, but just a, a, a drink. So, basically, what it is, it is a, recognized by the FDA as a food. It is a complete meal in a bottle. It is convenient and a healthy alternative to fast, which is basically like, you know, when you fast, you, you don't eat food. So Soylent, it, basically, it's this the most convenient thing I have ever seen. Um, and now, let me be abundantly clear in the fact that I like food. I like to eat food. But there are many times where I find where it's like, you know, I'm in the middle of some some work or everyone's super busy. And rather than, you know, grabbing, you know, some nutrition bar that is uh, full of things that aren't necessarily the best for you, Soylent is so goddamn perfect <laughs> that it just blows my mind. And that's why I'm so excited about it. So basically, I'll, I'll kind of walk you through this. Um, it, it's not a diet replacement. It is not a weight loss product or it's not a supplement or a protein shake. It is a nutritionally complete meal. And it's like, are you kidding me? There's, there's 400 calories in this thing. There's 20 grams of protein, 20% of all daily macro and micronutrient requirements based on a normal 2000 calorie diet. And there's no animal products. It's vegan. And that's what I love as well. So basically, this thing is cruelty-free. It's amazing for you to just grab from the refrigerator, drink. This stuff, the best way that I can describe it is... It, it has kind of the consistency of, of pancake mix, but not as thick. And it has this, it's slightly sweet, but not so overwhelming where you're just like, oh man. So it's kind of like almond milk in a way. And man, it is so, so good. So basically, this has replaced my lunches. This straight up, I don't, I do not have lunch anymore. And granted, of course, if I am like dining out with a client or something like that, of course, I'm not going to be a weirdo and have my shake there. But, you know, or my Soylent, that's how I should appropriately put it. But trust me, this stuff will blow your mind. So what you need to do is go to Soylent, S-O-Y-L-E-N-T dot com backslash 100 words using the number. And you're going to get 50% off your first case of Soylent 2.0 with this subscription. So 
trust me, you're going to try it. You're going to fall in love with it. Your your mind is going to become clear because you're not sitting there like, tell me, how terrible is it when you're like, all right, I want something to eat. And you spend like half an hour to 45 minutes figuring out what it is your your body desires or your brain desires. This is basically just like, oh, no, I, I know what I'm going to have. Like right now, I am craving Soylent. <laughs> I know it's going to sound weird, but in 25 minutes, I'm going to go grab one from my upstairs kitchen, have it for lunch, and boom, done. Moving on with my day and loving the taste of it. So there you go. Visit Soylent.com backslash 100 words and you will get 50% off your first case of Soylent 2.0 with a subscription. So please do it up and I promise you will enjoy it. Interesting. So you, you got to walk me through just because you put it there. The uh, obviously playing warp tour. Did you do like multiple dates or was it just one of those things you played one date and you were like, oh my gosh, this is uh, this is a rough, rough go at it. It's, it's such great timing because um, after our fourth show, we got an email from Victory Records and they're like, hey, come play Chicago for us. Huh. And it was this guy named Lave, and uh, he's a really good friend of mine now. Um, he was like, yeah, why don't you guys just come out and we'll see what happens. And we're like, well, we don't know if Victory is where we'd want to be. We haven't really thought about a record label. We're like six shows in. But I mean, it's a good excuse to go to Chicago because, you know, when you put sort of like a, a date on something, um, it as far as traveling, if you put a date on it, you're more likely to do it rather than um, not starting. So we're like, why don't we just go to Chicago and see what happens? And it was a miserable experience uh, doing the showcase for Victory. It was just like really bright lights and uh, just like six, maybe eight people watched us and they didn't like us. They said we weren't marketable at all. And um, But that guy, Leif, he stayed in contact and I think he felt bad or whatever, but he was, he was like, yeah, well, let me see what I can help you guys with. Maybe I can just like help you guys in a direction or something and he said like, what if I sign you guys up for uh, Ernie Battle of the Bands and I was like uh, you don't do that man don't worry about it I don't know if um, Warp Tour would be really our thing not, not in a pretentious way it's just that none of us really went to Warp Tour very much which is kind of strange because I think uh, a lot of bands that we liked were playing Warp Tour but we just didn't really go and uh, he signed us up for it because I didn't want to be mean or rude and say no and we won and we because it, it's in the course of maybe two or three months we forgot that he signed us up and we got the email um, like a week before we were supposed to play or maybe we saw it a week before and maybe we got the next email that was like hey are you guys going to do this or not but I remember it was like a week before and we are like oh, I guess we'll go do it and we um, probably shouldn't say this but we sold the two additional tickets for the merch guy and uh, what, what have you that come with winning oh sure yeah yeah um, for gas money to get up there and we played the show. Um, we were like the second band at like maybe 11 o'clock. It was really early. And all of our friends that were going to work tour were there. But um, the sound guy was really rude to us. He was really, really rude. We sound checked and um, I was cupping the mic. Or I do that because I'm really afraid of chipping my teeth on the mic. So I'll cup it so my finger will, um, will block the mic from getting, hitting my teeth. And I was cupping it. And he stopped me while we were sound checking. He's like, hey, man, um, you're cupping the mic. That's not how mics work. And I was like, whoa, okay, I'll try to not do that. And then first song in, I kind of forgot, and I started cupping it again, and he just turned me down. And then after the first song, um, everybody was like, hey, we can't hear the vocals. So I asked him, I was like, hey, do you think you could turn me up? And, he, and then he just, over all the speakers, he was like, hey, man, uh, that's not how you use a mic. You can't cup it. And I was like, oh, okay. So then he didn't turn me up, and we finished a song or two. And, um, and then I said, hey, thanks for Frameworks. And he would, over the, the speakers again, he was like, wait, you guys are done? You played for 10 minutes. And I was like, yeah, thanks. 
and he was like, this is Warped Tour, and you're going to play for 10 minutes? And I was like, yeah, see you later. And that was it. And we never thought about it again. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, especially coming from uh, not having any real expectations of what the thing was. It wasn't like you were, you know, uh, pinning all your hopes and dream on this. And then to have a bad experience, you're just like, oh, yeah, well, we don't need that. And like you said, not in a pretentious way, but just in a, oh, yeah, this isn't what we signed up for. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned, obviously, because like you said, that uh, you didn't, uh, you know, attend Warp Tour, obviously have any experiences with that. What was kind of your sort of, uh, you know, introductory points to independent music? Like was, you know, were you more a hardcore kid? Did you kind of get in through metal or what, what was your uh, your gateway, so to speak? Um, I had this teacher in the 10th grade. His name was uh, Greg Newburn. Um, it actually goes like a weird full circle because Greg Newburn got into music like hot water music when he attended uf when he was about my age now i think so and the reason he got into this kind of music was because of my current boss uh jonathan hamilton um he got him into the music and then greg newburn got a job as a teacher at my high school in newberry and he would like bring in his ipod every day and i would kind of just scroll through music and see weird names like american football what the hell is this um, I would just check that out and that's kind of how it developed I remember he said Howard Music is the best band in the world and I was like oh well it must be really good because it was in the 10th grade and that's when I realized that they were from Gainesville and then it all connected the, the fest and as soon as I was old enough to go to the fest that's where like it kind of started Hey, so it was basically just you kind of ransacking someone's uh, digital music collection and being like oh this sounds like an interesting band name yeah I kind of started from there and then just associated acts and uh, yeah Sure. And so you mentioned American football. Do you recall any of the other ones that kind of popped out that you glommed onto recently or initially? Earth Crisis. Beautiful. Yeah. You couldn't get more polar opposite. You got American football on one end and Earth Crisis on the other end. Yeah. (laughs) Did you, uh, I guess, did you philosophically start attaching yourself to things when you were, um, you know, realizing that obviously there was a a scene, so to speak? Um, You know, did did anything stand out to you uh, that you cared about? Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly where that started, but I, to say when I involved myself with a scene or the scene that was happening in Gainesville, but I, there was some pivotal point. I just, I can't recall it. I just remember uh, the first show I ever went to was this band called Against All Authority. Of course. Uh, and I don't remember who they played with, but that was the first show. And then I, I think I just slowly started going to more shows and then it sort of adopted as my identity over skateboarding with all the bands and stuff and that's kind of what happened i don't think i have a very clear answer on how i got into um the gainesville scene sure because it's so peculiar to any other scene that i've ever seen yeah i agree especially too i i do as an outsider observing gainesville in general um i do think it's more um Welcoming in the sense of like, there's obviously a hodgepodge of different bands that none of them sound alike. You know, it's like you have a band like, you know, Asuk, and then you have a band like, you know, obviously like Against All Authority and Hot Water Music. Like, you know, you, you could be more polar opposite sonically. But, but then at the same time, it's like you do see that uh, certain types of bands aren't necessarily not welcome, but just sonically. It's like you, you weren't seeing a bunch of like, you know, whatever, uh, Victory Records, old school, hardcore bands starting in Gainesville, Florida, you know, just because it didn't seem like that scene supported it, you know? Yeah, it's still the same way where you won't see many hardcore bands coming through. Um, yeah, it has like a 
Keynes was a particular taste, and if you're not a part of that taste, then coming through is almost pointless. Maybe not pointless because you can sightsee and right. have you at Gainesville, but unless you fit into whatever niche that uh, the certain amount of people are into here, um, you won't see very much. It's so strange. I guess it's really not that strange, but like a what's a good example of a band? Um, like Torch does really well here, mm-hmm. uh, and then a band like. I guess any fast band will also do really well here. Not that they're that much different, but that that kind of categorizes the bands that do well here. Right. Well, and you definitely see bands that, um, you know, like a band like Iron Cheek, where it's like, you know, they would play out here in Southern California and they would do well. You know, they'd have like 150, 200 kids show up to a show and that, and, you know, those kids would be very engaged and excited about it. But then Iron Cheek could play the fest at Gainesville and you're just like, Jesus Christ, there's like 800 plus people here. It's insane, yeah. you know? So it's like, I, I do see exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, and so then as you obviously started to play out more so uh, under the context of frameworks, um, d- I guess, did you feel a part of the scene or was it one of those things that you guys were just kind of, um, you know, doing doing your own thing and obviously trying to create, uh, you know, some momentum for yourself uh, outside of uh, the context of that scene? Well, we immediately started touring um, for a good two years. Most of uh, the people involved in the Gainesville scene didn't even know what our band wore. I, I, I say that in a strange way. What I mean is most people that booked shows in Gainesville and, uh, I guess, relevant bands that aren't hot water music, um, they didn't know who we were at all just because we instantly just started touring or trying to tour. And then we'd book what shows we wanted to play but we weren't really that active and hopping on like um, I guess other bigger shows like if there was a tour package coming in we we weren't trying to get on it we were kind of just trying to do our own thing but we knew I understood pretty early that uh, in order for us to get booked in like Savannah that we probably have to have some kind of connection and to build that connection we probably have to book them in your town first so we only played shows that um, that uh, what's a good example Sorry, I'm getting a little, little twisted here. Like the chariot would come through all the time. Okay. And uh, we didn't see a purpose of playing that shows with them after the first time, because I mean, like they weren't going to take us on tour or anything like that. They weren't going to book us in Atlanta. So after the first maybe two times, we we're like, all right, well, we're not going to do that anymore. That's probably a really shitty way to word that. I probably shouldn't have said that. No, 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 no. You, Luke, you're very hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, have you been accused of that before? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You 
your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. But, but I mean, I see the point you're trying to make where it's like the if you felt like obviously you were just jumping on a, uh, you know, a local show from a band coming through, you weren't necessarily using that as a uh jumping off point to trade shows or like you know become best friends with the band or whatever um it it, it was i get that i totally see where you're coming from because then it's like if you you know do it again and again without that sort of motive inside of you um you're not going to have any real reason to play to those same people that are attending that same show Absolutely. We didn't really want to play a local show that didn't have a purpose behind it, really. I mean, we're, I mean I'm mean, i still down for an all-local show in Gainesville, but I don't want to play a show that's not in support of something that I, that I think is cool. Um, and that was kind of the mentality we always had when we started, unless there was like some point to the show helping somebody that, um, that we liked, then we really didn't want to do it. And that disconnected us for a very long time with most of the locals in Gainesville, which is, I don't know, it's been a weird thing. Sure. And so, uh, like you said, you started to basically just tour immediately and play, obviously, as many shows as you possibly could with the limited means that I'm sure you had. Like, were you basically just booking shows through, um, obviously, the social networks and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. It was right when um, I think Facebook switched over to its band page, which is a really weird time because it was like right when MySpace went down and then Facebook uh, altered just uh, having one Facebook to Facebook and pages. So we were, we were right in the middle of that and we uh, we kind of just hopped on any show we could get on and made friends with whoever we could. Kind of just carried us. Sure. Um, when, and when did you feel like, I guess, uh, some people started to pay attention to what you were doing uh, from either obviously releasing your music or just the fact that you started to have pockets of people being like, oh yeah, we just drew 40 kids here and like we weren't expecting that? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know if I can depict when it was. Um, it, it might have been maybe three or four tours in where uh, actually booking the tour wasn't um, like pulling teeth and desperately trying to convince a friend to book us. So I, I, probably then, but um, right. I, I think I can pick like a single moment where I was like, oh, this is working. Right. <laughs> sure. Well, it, it, and I, I like that. The idea of working, you know, because obviously it's so uh, different for so many people um because all you do is like you know if it's working for one band is like you know getting like you said getting a show booked you're like that's working like hey it works like we're gonna play denver uh but then obviously for bands of a different level working is like oh yeah well now we can headline there and play in front of 400 people and sell out that local venue um yeah (laughs) so it's it's all uh i guess it's all perspective a matter of perspective i thought for a long time that we um we set our goals very small. The, the goal was to release a full length on a label that we liked and see the country a few times. Mm-hmm. And we did it pretty early. And after that, we were like, well, what do we do now? I guess we'll repeat it. Right. 
I guess we'll do it again. And, yeah. and it sounds like too the the way that you structured your band is like obviously you guys you know tour as much as you can within the con within the context of you know not killing yourselves and obviously being able to you know sustain yourself on um, you know whatever uh, meager income the band makes versus obviously the the day jobs that you hold. Uh, but is your life basically structured around the idea of like hey we could tour at any time because we all have transient type jobs? Yeah. Okay. Um, it is. And so you basically, you attend bar, right? Uh, no. Well, that's like a side job. That that job is mainly because we tour. Um, it's just kind of like a, a little extra money. But my main job is uh, I work at a screen printing shop during the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're pretty flexible when I want to leave. And everybody else works in restaurants, I believe. Actually, one of the guitar players works with me. That isn't Corey. His name's Bobby. And then Corey, Wyatt, work in restaurants. And Matt... I don't know what Matt does. He has a very he, life. He, 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 he puts it together. Yeah, he gets he makes it work. Right. He also lives in South Florida, so it's not like he's immediately around to, to see what he's doing. Right. Um. And so, it, just in gathering from the conversation that we've been having here, and like I said, uh, you know, the other sources of output that you uh, put out there in yourself, um, the uh, you're a pretty pensive guy. Like you, you tend to, you strike me as the sort of guy who's, um, you know, very, uh, reflective on a lot of things that you do. Um, yeah. does it, uh, and obviously like I joked earlier where you, you sound like you're pretty hard on yourself. Um, where does, uh, where does that kind of come from? Cause it's, uh, yeah, obviously not everybody has that sort of, uh, inclination to either, um, you know, go inward or obviously be uh, difficult on yourself. Um, so where, where do you think those kind of threads come from? Um, I think it, I don't know if I was always like that. I don't think I was always this hard on myself, but, uh, since I, I guess maybe frameworks, I just knew that I wanted to do as much as I could. And I didn't want to have warm feelings about anything. I either wanted to be hot or cold. I want to really care about it or I'd want to not think about it. And uh, that, that's kind of what drives me either. I want to go 100% of something or not go at it. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. <laughs> sure. Um, and so then, obviously, when you uh, decide to put yourself out there in regards to um, writing lyrics that are obviously you know introspective and obviously looking for um, some sense of connection, not to people on the outside, but obviously connection within yourself, um, the uh, and especially because of the style of music that you play as well, which is you know whatever post hardcore, emotive hardcore, whatever the hell you want to call it, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 terrain is fraught with obviously people connecting with your band on a very deep level, and then obviously they put a lot of stuff on you, not in a bad way, but just in a positive way in the sense of people really uh, gravitate towards bands that obviously uh, do the sort of thing that you guys do. Um, have you had to kind of reckon with that um, personally in regards to people putting a lot of uh, whatever interpretations they have on your plate and kind of, you know, trying to unpack that? Not at all. I, I mean, personally, the songs are pretty selfish. We don't really write songs um, for anybody else. We kind of just the writing process is we just write and that's it. If somebody doesn't like it, then that's fine. Um, if they do, that's better. But if somebody's able to put some kind of uh, different meaning on a song, that's uh, that's also a bonus. Um, yeah, I don't I don't intend to make songs sound big. I mean, if you read over it, sometimes you're just like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" Um, but 
I intentionally don't try to spell it out just because I, I wasn't for anybody else to really completely understand it. I'm really open to answering any question, but, um, but yeah, I guess that's it. Got it. Um, <clears throat> The um, and obviously, kind of sonically, um, a, a lot of people uh, try to you know peg you down in regards to like, oh yeah, you guys belong to this scene or you guys do this. Like you know, you're not you're too heavy for emo and like almost every interview obviously discuss that discusses that idea. Um, obviously, the path that you guys have chosen in regards to like you know working with Top Shelf and then obviously now working with Deathwish um, clearly it doesn't matter to you guys. But obviously, in order to um, you know, basically find other like-minded bands for you guys to like tour with and play with and all that sort of stuff. You know, there does need to be some sort of delineation and decisions <laughs> made on that front. Um, or are you guys basically just like, well, if we're friends with them, that's all we really care about as far as touring partners are concerned. Um, it's sort of both. I mean, we're opposed to touring with anybody that we think has um, sort of the same mindset that we think we can get along with. We, we probably wouldn't say no to anybody if we, uh, if we liked them. But as far as like the top shelf death wish switch, um, we did. We always found that we were we were too heavy for the emo kids and then too soft for the hardcore kids. And it felt like when we went with death wish, um, it meant that we were leaning more towards the hardcore side. And if you drive it strictly down, um, I would say the hardcore side is me, and then the softer side is Corey, and then the music is where we both both of our personalities meet. But uh, yeah, I switching over to Death Wish kind of, um, yeah, kind of sealed that in. Um, yeah, right. Well, it, it, it set your path a little more firmly, where it's like, okay, we we know that. Uh, I guess our our bread and butter isn't exactly uh, touring with uh, top shelf exact like bands, because like you said, the, the, you were too heavy for those type of people. Um, not pa- I mean I'm, I'm painting with a very broad brush here mind yeah. so <laughs> there wasn't like a no you can't do this but it was just we, we did it a few times and um, not everybody liked us which is fine but it was I thought it was cool to try something a little different maybe if we went in a little bit of a different direction anything to not make it boring I guess right and so it's, it sounds like there is a uh, kind of underlying thing of uh, maybe not so much from the the band overall but you like to make yourself uh, uncomfortable to like like you said to kind of keep yourself on on your toes um is, is that accurate in regards to kind of not only obviously the artistic endeavors that you do but um in your own personal life as well i've started to think so lately i, I like to put i don't like to but i find that i put myself in uncomfortable places and then kind of deal with it like i was i'm terribly afraid of heights and uh, I started really liking roller coasters. I don't like, I hate being high up and being upside down, but for some reason, I, I like the thrill of it. I don't know what that is, but uh, same thing with martial arts. I hate confrontation, but I really enjoy that kind of stuff. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, like, like you were mentioning earlier, um, with in, in regards to your father and your grandmother essentially like taking care of one another, what, what sort of disability did your father um, have? And like, how is that? Um, I presume that's obviously affected you and your relationship with him. Uh, yeah, he, one of the discs in his, um, his neck or his neck and back meat dissolved so that nerves were rubbing it together and oh. uh, it caused really terrible headaches and to the point where he either couldn't drive or stand or lift stuff. I mean, he could function. It just really hurt when he did. Uh-huh. And uh, that started happening, and he got misdiagnosed a few times, and then he eventually had a heart attack. Um, and 
he eventually found a doctor that was like, oh, this is obviously the problem. And, and then they they now give him treatments that pretty much numb the nerves around it so that when they are rubbing together, it doesn't give him a um, severe headache. And then from there, he was able to kind of figure it out. So that's really what's going on. Got it. Was it a uh, was it one of those things that you were uh, doing everything you obviously could to try to you know help him go through it, or was it uh, was it difficult for you to watch him um, as he was you <laughs> struggling to find a proper diagnosis? Yes and no. I wasn't doing everything I could because I mean I was obviously touring a lot. Um, I was on tour when he had his heart attack as well, mm-hmm. um, but I I did everything I could. It, it was such a, a weird feeling because while we were on tour and I found that he had the heart attack, I. I didn't necessarily feel good, but I didn't feel like I was doing the wrong thing by um, not being, I guess, with him when he had the heart attack, which was, uh, I mean, a weird position where I felt like I was doing a good thing and a bad thing, which is what a lot of the record's about. I'm not there, but I'm not completely upset that I'm um, not there. Do you think that's kind of a... uh I mean, obviously that, that, that feeling is very, uh, uh, I guess from an outward perspective, so selfish. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like there, you know, I guess technically what could you probably do if you were there? Yes. Um, so when he had the heart attack, there was no lead up to that because he had a, a disc disease that just dissolved the disc in his back where if I would have known that it was something that could have, uh, really been not just detrimental, but, um, I, I guess, that could have taken his life. I wouldn't, I would have been there. I wouldn't have been on tour, but just because we thought we understood what was going on with the discs just dissolving. Um, I felt like if I was there, I would just, wouldn't be, uh, I would just be helping him do, I guess, normal activities, which didn't really seem that pertinent to me being there. Um, and I think he understood that as well. He understands that I'm doing what I want to do. And I don't think he would have it any other way. So it doesn't feel selfish, but if I would have known that um, what he was going to go through happened, I would have been there. Right, right. Yeah, look, yeah, re- retroactively, you or yeah. you would be able to look at it and be like, okay, this would this would have been meaningful, but, you know, if you felt like, obviously, everything was under control, it's like, well, there's not much I could do. Yeah, I mean, the same thing could happen again, and I'm not going to actively just stop touring and go um, live with them again. Right. Just kind of piecing it together. Sure. Um does the uh, like does he understand obviously what you do considering the fact he was obviously pushing you to a uh, sort of practical career um, has he I guess made peace with the fact that you've obviously uh, pr- pursued this path or is it still kind of a, a, a little tent a little tense when you uh, have those discussions on like are you still doing the band thing Luke like come on what is this dropping well uh, yeah we had a not a fallout but we didn't see eye to eye whenever I decided to not go to college um, but I started. I reapplied myself to a different degree and I've been doing that for a little while. So we're, we're pretty good. Um, after I did that, it really, I think it made sense to him that that's the hobby and it never was intentionally to be a career, but I couldn't do school and it at the same time to the degree that I wanted to. Right. So now that I'm going to, um, I take classes online so that we can tour. Um, he kind of understands that a lot better to, to his, to the, extent that he can understand right 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 what what are you studying online um computer science is uh computer programming and analysis nice where did did that uh has that interest kind of always been there and you've just been able to focus in on it now yeah i think so um kind of derives back to as shitty as it sounds uh myspace and um designing 
themes in HTML and CSS. I, I really liked that for some reason, that and the design aspect. And I don't know, it just developed over the years. And it was, I thought about it for a good two or three years um, before actually taking classes. And it never went away. So I was like, well, I obviously should just do this and stop overthinking it. Got like probably a year left and then figure out the next part of my life. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, you obviously, they, uh, it sounds like the graphic design part of your life as well was something that you were interested in so you could easily see how those two uh, can intertwine with one another yeah um and so then uh kind of uh, like you were mentioning earlier i think it's very interesting that obviously the the goals that you set forth for the band are obviously very uh you know minimal and i guess easily obtained and not in like a self-defeating or (laughs) a self-deprecating manner um so now, obviously, the fact that, you know, you're working with Deathwish and obviously there's, you know, a, whatever, a larger set of eyeballs to what you guys are doing um, is the uh, do you basically still have those same sort of uh, ideas where it's just like, OK, that'd be cool if we could like do a little bit larger tour or like we could do this. Um, or do you kind of have, um, I don't know, more more ambition and not meaning like you guys are lazy right now, but more ambition now that because of this uh, this relationship. Yeah, I mean, we did have to realign our goals, and I don't think we've really talked about it since. Um, when Corey and I started the band, we, we, we kind of um, defined what we wanted to do, and once we did it, we never really talked about it again. But I think that without us saying it, we know what we want to do. We want to just continue doing it, making friends, and, um, and seeing other parts of the world outside of the country, and then just seeing what we can do. Not, yeah, that's really it. I don't, we, we're not putting a label on it we're kind of just doing it which I, I think is the only way our band can work if we if we try to um he and i have polar opposite personalities so if i if i try to define every step that we do he'll lose interest so we kind of have to meet in the middle where well let's sort of do this or yeah <laughs> that's kind of where we meet interesting uh, so i uh, it sounds like from the way that you're describing it too, like, cause obviously every band needs to have some sort of a, a business minded person. Uh, are, are you that person to me? It doesn't sound like it, but, uh, I could be completely misreading that situation. Yeah, I am. I didn't want to be, but <laughs> <laughs> Luke, you just get thrust in these, uh, these positions of responsibility that you're not, uh, you're not really interested in. <laughs> or maybe it's my personality to think that I got thrown into them or, or, on that same note, it's something you are challenging yourself where you're putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and trying to figure your way out of them. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. I do like puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- that's been like, were you basically the person like booking shows and kind of, you know, doing basically everything from a, a business perspective of the band? Uh, yeah, I mean, Corey had his, his part, um, but music is mostly his part, writing the music. And then, um, and then I would say uh, the unfortunate business part, it was my part. So, um, being responsible for making sure the tour is happening, but I mean, um, if he had a show that he could book, he would do it. It, it, I guess there wasn't an assigned role per se, but, um, we did what we did. Yeah. He wrote the music and I tried to do the other part. Right. He tried to deliver, deliver the goods on the other end. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, you, you definitely, you need one person that obviously it it tries to kind of, you know, be ambitious or, or funnel that, uh, uh, productivity in some fashion because otherwise yeah you obviously never even get to play a show in the first place yeah <laughs> um and then uh the the last kind of thing i want to hit on was the um 
the, the the notion that again kind of you know uh, whatever looking at your lyrics and obviously looking at the themes of what uh, you've been trying to uh, you know, i guess capture in all, all the recorded music you've put out um it's very uh it, it's obviously like you said it's very um uh, straightforward and i don't mean that in a bad way um but the uh, the idea that you are trying to convey this uh, a sense of isolation in some capacity um, is uh, is that something where you just really like that uh, I guess kind of uh, theme and topic because it kind of does you know obviously pop up in, in differing aspects of what you're doing obviously I haven't heard the new record but um, I don't know if there's any themes on that that you're pulling in there um, it just seems like a, a that's kind of the umbrella <laughs> that you're operating under and not like you're a one trick pony and that's all you, you, you speak about, <laughs> but that just seems to be a kind of a prevailing theme is, uh, am I correct in that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's unintentional, but I think that it's, that's just what I thought was interesting to write about and, um, kind of went with it. Well, the, the new record is a little bit different though. It's just strictly experiences and, um, and my reflection on them rather than, uh, our first album was just a whole concept album. Um, so we just, I just did the opposite. Just, uh, I thought it would be interesting, but I would say that unintentionally that does happen. Sure, I mean it. It does, um, especially when uh, you are able to obviously release multiple things. It's difficult um, to kind of separate yourself from uh, the. I mean, obviously the stuff that you first do when you're you know 15 and 16 years old, like you can easily separate yourself from that because usually it's pretty terrible lyrically speaking. Um, but then once you you know have an identity and you start to um, understand yourself more you really do kind of always go back to the same you know one or two wells of like well this is this is what i'm still interested in you know yeah (laughs) um yeah yeah well that's uh i really appreciate you hanging out this was um fun for me and i hope it wasn't too uncomfortable for you <laughs> no 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 it was a lot easier than i thought it would you're, you're really good at this so oh so i'll look at you you're paying me compliments <laughs> luke 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 what a nice nice chap nice discussion i don't know why i call him chap because obviously he's not from england and i tend to call people chaps that are from england but anyways uh thank you very much luke and thank you very much stephanie my my amazing friend who does great work as far as PR is concerned. And uh, she always she always hooks it up for us. You know, she, she takes care of the show. She's a previous guest of the show. She just, uh, you know, enjoys the experience of giving us cool people to talk to. And when I say us, I always like, it's the collective us, you know? Basically, it's you, it's me, it's everyone else who listens to this show. That's what I say when I mean us, because, like, realistically, it's just me producing and editing the show, and then you, the consumer. But, uh, yeah, so that's that. And uh, the guest next week is a very exciting one. And I know all of these are exciting. They're all like my own children in some weird way, even though I have a child and maybe that's a bad analogy. But Brad Boatwright, he is from a band called From Ashes Rise. And he also works under the moniker Audio Siege uh, when it comes to uh, production, mastering, anything in regards to recording. So I feel like I'm going to uh, have the pressure on me when he's listening to the episode to be like, oh, man this thing sounds like shit. You should totally be doing a better job at this. Uh, but hopefully he will, uh, he'll understand that I'm nowhere near as good as he is at what he does. So anyways, that's next week. And, um, yeah, like I said, I'll be in Portland next week, but I will be posting the episode on Wednesday as usual. So, uh, we have some even more exciting conversations coming up, some interviews I'm doing next week for episodes later in August and early September, man, 
There's some fun stuff coming up. So, And always, please visit the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com, and then please support our sponsors. We have some pretty cool ones coming up, and uh, the more you support them, either by buying their product, by checking out their service, whatever it is, even if it's just clicking on a link, do it up because it really uh, helps the show move along. So that's that, and please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. Goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.